Hello everyone. Welcome back to a new and exciting episode of The Voice of IMTN, a podcast series by the students of IMT Nagpur. I'm Amrit Verma and I'm Ashwarya Roy. Today we have with us Mr. Manoj Chuk, a professional in the IT industry with an experience of 4 decades. He currently heads public affairs for the Mahindra Group. He is in conversation with us on the topic winning in turbulent times. So, uh, starting off in a sales executive role right out of IIT Kharagpur and having transitioned to the role of a general manager in such a short span of time, what role did the skills that you've acquired from sales play in your illustrious career? Well, you know, I think that uh, I chose sales as a career because that was my own inner calling, and it's been a very, very interesting journey for me. I mean, if you look at it in a way, we are all in our heart of our sales people, right? And you would have heard this uh, very, very often when uh, people say that. Uh, you know even a child knows how to sell uh, when it wants milk it starts crying and then the mother rushes in with a bottle of milk uh, so i think uh, you know all of us innately are sales people uh, you know we know how to sell when we have to uh, and put up our best uh, so sales was my calling and that's where i started my career and i think as i went along in the journey uh, you know when you do something that you love then it's no longer work uh, you know that's your life it's your hobby you enjoy it and that's what i did uh, in fact uh, i remember all the years that i that i was a sales guy i would hate weekends because when i started my career we worked six days a week so that was good but i hated sundays because i didn't know what to do on sundays i was not selling on sundays so then i found a few customers in the manufacturing sector whose factories were open on sundays so i was very very happy i would wake up every sunday morning and go and visit them in their factory um i had the opportunity of becoming a sales manager pretty early in my career i was a manager by the time i was 26 and then i never looked back thereafter and so my team sizes grew and i did different roles different things uh when you begin as a sales guy you are given a few set of customers to manage and then if you manage them well then you are given a larger territory uh, and then after some time there are a couple of more sales guys that you get to be a part of your team Uh, and then you know as you kind of progress then they kind of give you a bigger region to look after so that's how my career went i started as a territory manager you know with a couple of sales guys we had a small territory within a city and then i became an area manager where i had you know state and i became a regional manager where i had a very very large region across multiple states 30 offices you know all of them kind of working in Uh, and then you know you learn new things as well because in the it sector technology changes very rapidly you get the opportunity of opening up newer verticals you know when you can go and focus uh, you get into newer areas of technology uh, you get the opportunity of uh, running very very large uh, operations mm. if you will where you have colleagues no longer just in sales because as you move up you have colleagues across all functions who kind of work for you people from services people from engineering people from human resources finance accounts administration all of a sudden you got this big leadership team right working in with you i think uh, amrit i was blessed uh, and fortunate uh, to rise very rapidly in my career and i think it was a lot to do with the industry itself uh, because the it industry grew very very rapidly 
Uh, so okay. sometimes I turn around and think it's just not entirely capability. It's also you turn around and find who's there. And you just find this one guy and so you keep moving forward. So it's been an interesting journey. Uh, but selling is something which has never stopped. You are selling all the time. Okay. Uh, so, sir, my question to you is, how far, in your opinion, has India progressed in providing citizen-centric IT solutions? And what are the key hurdles that has kept internet penetration at 35% of the total population in India? You know, I think, Ashwarya, we have come a long, long way. Uh, there was a point in time when the government did not invest at all in terms of citizen-centric services. Uh, so somewhere around the late 80s, we started that journey. And today you can see that even at a municipality level, uh, in major cities across the country, you've got hundreds of citizen-centric IT services that are getting delivered. Uh, so I think this is a very, very important forward step. Second is, if you start looking at how you access information that the government wants to communicate, a lot of that also has been enabled by technology today. Uh, so I think if you look at it, whether it is your passports, whether it is uh, you know any any other service that you want, you know you want rations to go overseas, uh, you know entire immigration processes. You start looking at policing, you know all of that has been IT enabled. So every aspect of where a citizen can engage with the government, you know, has been uh, really, I would say, phenomenal work that has been done over the last 30, 35 years. Um, is there more that can be done? Absolutely, it can be. Uh, today, if somebody has internet access, you can really access a lot of information which relates to uh, citizens and services, if you will. Uh, you look at the government of India's initiatives around connecting uh, villages, talukas, you know, with the fiber optic networks. Uh, we have made a lot of good progress. So I think it's just a matter of a few more years uh, and we would be far more well connected uh, from an internet perspective. Just look at our mobile phone penetration. And if I look at just my own career, where when I started, nobody even had a landline at home. There used to be just maybe one or two landlines even in an office. And if somebody needed to reach out to you, they would call your neighbor's neighbor's house, right? Because those guys had one phone, you know, amongst a cluster of houses in large cities. And look at it today where we are in terms of mobile penetration. So I think internet penetration will follow mobile penetration just a matter of time. I think the private sector, corporate sector, government, everyone's doing its best to make sure that there is that level of So Have the faith. Yes, sure. Sir, sure. sir uh, coming to the next question, it's seen that every organization that you've been a part of, and it's seen that you have the metastasis touch to grow its revenue multiple, even sometimes three times up to $3 billion. Uh, $3 billion. So how do you do it? What is your mantra to this success? And what are your uh, key lessons that you could provide to us student managers? Well, actually, there is no mantra. My mantra is very simple that I always work with the teams that are there in the business. That's my real goal. And really the credit entirely goes to them. I think the only job that a leader has to create that passion within the team and the belief that they can go into it. I think it's within each one of us. I think everyone is a winner. That is a fundamental premise with which I work. I don't work with the premise that some people are better than others. Uh, no, that's not true. Everyone, everyone is capable. Everyone has certain skills. It is a job of the leader manager to figure out what those skills are and to leverage that person 
to focus and deliver on those skills. Uh, and that's been my learning. Uh, and through difficult times, uh, we've been able to grow businesses. You know, through years of downturn, we have been able to grow businesses. Uh, and no politics. There's only one politics that I've believed in, which is of serving the customer. In an organization, if you make sure that you do no politics, you take the friction out, you focus on the customer, get everyone to only think for the customer, make sure that you set a roadmap where you're able to build conviction in the teams that, you know, we can make it happen. We can deliver, we can win, uh, it will happen. I've done it many, many times and each time it has worked. People can do the impossible. You need to trust them. You need to believe in them. You need to know that in their hearts, they want to do the right thing. So just support them and they will deliver the impossible. Yes, sir. Definitely. Okay, sir. Uh, so moving forward, my next question to you is, being a key driver in IT system integration of various firms, how do you think this integrated system is changing and transforming the Indian corporate scenario? I think in very dramatic ways. Uh, you know, when we began and we looked at corporate IT architectures, they were very much about centralized computing. And then as organizations transformed themselves in terms of structure, where they started empowering uh, their teams more, IT architecture also followed organizational structure. So as they empowered more, now managers could start making decisions. So we moved away from centralized computing to distributed computing. We then saw the internet and the internet changed everything because internet connected everyone to everyone, the entire supply chain, uh, you know, customers. Everyone got interconnected very quickly with each other. And then computer architectures uh, and IT architectures, in fact, changed where data became, you know, the center of attraction, if you will. So you protected your data assets and the computing aspects could be anywhere because they were all connected to the internet somewhere or the other. So internet enabled architectures then kind of came to the fore. So we are seeing how digital transformation and then organizations moving their IT applications to the cloud, uh, hybrid architectures is where we are seeing things right now. So that's changing uh, a lot of how organizations are looking at themselves. With all of us working from home, in cloud computing becoming ubiquitous, supporting uh, you know, that need of organizations, IT architectures are also changing. Uh, and that's what they've always done. Followed the way the organization wants to serve its customers. So, uh, coming to the next person, our major aim as humans is to bring about change in lives and bring about change in the ecosystem. So, my question would be revolving around that. So, how do you think one can drive a change for the betterment of the business ecosystem? And while doing the same, how do what are the factors that one should keep in mind? I think, uh, you know, one is innovation. You know, on a continuous basis, be open-minded to the fact that the way you are doing things today is not the way in which they would or should be done in the future. Uh, I find many times that organizations become pretty static because they're incredibly successful. Success can be a very big enemy because you are not, as they say, engaging in self-destruction and self-rejuvenation. So I think how do you reinvent yourself all the time in line with the changes that we are seeing. And all of you, I'm sure, have studied the Kodak case study, right? How it was a leader. So how do you make sure that you that you kind of don't suffer the Kodak moment as an organization? You have to reinvent yourself. You have to rethink. You, you should know that your competitors are smarter, maybe smaller, maybe growing in your backyard, and you better snuff them out 
before they come and they take your entire business away from you. So many times I find that you become so successful that you become lazy and then you're kind of lost in the dream of your own success. Uh, and that's never good. Uh, so I think when you're successful, it is the best time for you to just reinvent yourself. And I think those organizations who have reinvented themselves have continued to be incredibly successful. And if you have not reinvented yourself, uh, then you are in for real trouble. Be hungry, be foolish, do stupid things, learn from your failures, keep reinventing so that you remain successful. Definitely, sir. Definitely. Uh, so moving forward, uh, my question to you is, uh, you are associated with various industrial bodies like Vicky, South Chamber of Commerce and Asocham. What role do they play in the growth uh, story of a nation? I think they play an incredibly important role. Because please remember their ability to distill what industry needs and how India can grow and the engagement with the government. They bring the collective uh, insight. And, and I think that's an incredibly important role. They also act as a facilitator in terms of engagement across different ecosystem players, if you will. Uh, they also play an incredibly important role in terms of positioning India vis-a-vis, uh, you know, the global marketplace uh, because they work with industry bodies from different countries uh, as well and kind of try and bring uh, the goodness, the best practices, uh, you know, to Indian corporates as well. So I think industry bodies play an incredibly important role in terms of acting as a facilitator, as a catalyst and as a big support system to their industry members. So, so coming to the final question of this interview. So how was your experience interacting with the student managers of IMT Napur? And since this is our you know, first time going over a virtual platform, what advice would you give to the students before they start off their corporate journey? Well, you know, I think that we all have to learn that uh, engaging in, in virtual formats, if you will, is going to be the most common way of engaging going forward in the future. So I'd say you're starting on the right step. Uh, and I think you're going to see that happen as you transcend into the corporate world as well, because imagine almost all our meetings are virtual meetings as well. Uh, so I think, as they say, well begun is half done. Um, so I would say keep it up. Make sure that you continue to engage virtually as much as you can. Even as I said, as the pandemic ebbs, we are going to find hybrid as the way to work. And this provides you a tremendous opportunity of engaging with lots of leaders from across the world. Imagine if this virtual format was not possible. Trying to get leaders to come in uh, you know, and engage with you would only happen if they happen to be traveling into your location or they specifically make the effort to come. And I have seen, frankly, in the past that a lot of people duck out of these physical meetings at the last minute because their boss calls them or there's another priority meeting. And all of a sudden, you are meeting there with your garland to welcome this uh, guest who just suddenly doesn't turn up. So I said this is a good format. I love uh, engaging and interacting with the students. I think the questions were fantastic. Uh, I could have gone on and on and on, but I'm sure we'll find the time to do so. Uh, as I said, that when you're in physical formats, um, maybe you can just kind of as a sift float around and go with a few folks who have questions, go sit in the cafeteria and do all those things, which of course we can't do now. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I think I enjoyed the questions were incisive. And I think that you all have your hearts and minds in the right place. I have no doubt that all of you will do very, very well. And we'll just not do your own institution proud, but we'll do our country proud.